Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne in holiness, joy, singing, rejoicing. As we come in and present ourselves before you as living sacrifices, Lord, we like to listen and hear what you have to say. You have something important to say to us every time you speak. So we thank you, Lord, to allow us, allow me to speak through you, or you to speak through me. And just as your oracle, Father, I just want to bless your people with your word today. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So uh, we're going to talk about the fact that faith will find a way. Amen. Faith will find a way. Amen. It will find a way. Find a way. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, the, there are a lot of um, similes in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is likened to several different things. Fire is one. Water is another one. And water is hard to contain. Amen. So it, if 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 you don't have a proper container for water, it will spill out because it will find a way to get to where it's supposed to be. It's always seeking uh, containment. It's always seeking a place for um, uh, it to water and refresh what uh, what it's what it's ordained to do. It'll find a way to do what it's ordained to do. Uh, just like water, if, if it's, if you find dampness in your house somewhere, there's got to be a source. Because it came from somewhere. It just doesn't appear on its own. Amen. And so we have to look at the fact that if the Holy Spirit is likened to water, then the Holy Spirit will flow to its assigned place. It always flows to a place where it's assigned to inhabit. So if we can say water flows to an assigned place, uh, many times when people want to stop water from overflowing, they will get a vessel to contain it. Uh, if it's a, a, a natural source of water, they will dig a, a, a trench or dig a pool or something for it to pool into. But it has to be contained because water is always on assignment to flow and to go. And so the Holy Spirit is on assignment to flow and to go and to accomplish. Amen. And what does it accomplish? Well, if water uh, waters things, water is a source of life. Amen. So the Holy Ghost flows like water to provide life, to provide refreshing uh, to revive, to revive things that are fainting. All of those similes that are, or properties of water are true of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so much more. Uh, the Holy Spirit is life giving to, uh, everything where it, it is assigned to go. The Holy Spirit will never bring death. Amen. It will bring life and bring reviving. Amen. Now, there is a time where the breath of life is removed from a vessel unless a person can get the assignment of God to get the breath of life back into that person, life will cease. But God is the source of life. Amen. He says, I'm the God who kills and the God who makes alive. You know, he's in control of all things. If he didn't sh- doesn't show up on your deathbed and revive you, you will exit on out of here. Amen. So. <laughs> So it's more by him not 
acting in life-giving uh, fashion that allows death to occur. But wherever there is a hope for life and there is a an unction to pray, I always encourage people to pray. I always encourage people to ask God for mercy. Ask him for life. Because if we err on the side of life, we're, we have a good chance of God intervening and, uh, and, and reviving that person, bringing life to them, bring them, bring them into a, a, a state of health and wholeness at some point. And so when you think about the fact that uh, faith will find a way, you can also say that faith, because it is a spirit of the spirit of God, amen, Second uh, Corinthians 4.13, why don't we go there for a moment so I can lay a, a decent foundation for what we're talking about today. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 13, it says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. So the spirit of faith has a voice. Faith always talks because it's alive. It is a spirit. So it has a voice. It has uh, intelligence or, or what we might call uh, ability to think and reason and, and uh, all of the things. It has all of the properties of God. Amen. It has personhood to a degree. But it's it's perfect. In its ways, and so uh, the Holy Spirit, being part of the Holy Spirit, is faith. That's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So the spirit of faith talks like this: uh, it says whatever it believes, and whatever it believes is what it speaks. It cannot not speak what it believes. The Bible says the Lord has spoken. Who can help but prophesy? Amen. So when the word of the Lord is in you, it's like fire shut up in your bones. Amen. And so when we understand that, we will begin to speak what we believe. Amen. Human beings are made like that anyway. We speak what we believe one way or the other, whether it's for good or for bad. Amen. So, you know, you can always tell what's in folk when they get under a little pressure. What they really believe is what will come out of their mouths. Amen. And so uh, it, it's just we're just made that way. And so but as as children of God, we can change what we believe. We can change what's in our hearts. Generally, when you speak, you're speaking from what's in your heart. Amen. If you've been sitting around feeling uh, physically uh, not good all day long. At some point, you're going to speak about that. Well, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what kind of crowd this is. And I said, I didn't threaten to go to the Y. I don't know how many times this month, and I still got to threaten y'all with the Y. But uh, what you meditate on is what you convince yourself you believe. Do you hear what I said? It's what you convince yourself you believe. Faith is always a choice. You can choose to believe whatever. If, if, you're, if you're a person who is sold on the word of God, when you hear something contrary to the word of God, 
you will disbelieve that or not act on it or renounce it in your thinking. You'll say something to yourself, now wait a minute, I where'd that thought come from? Or I can't think like that. That's not what God says. You begin to censor your own thoughts once the word of God comes into your life. And we need to do that. Yeah, I remember when I was a young Christian, I had fed on the word so much when I was, was uh, depressed that I, people would get around me and they say, oh, girl, you're full of the word. And I didn't even know what they were talking about. You know, and they were Christians and people I looked up to and stuff like that. Well, it's because I had meditated on so long I believed it. I had to believe it to get well. You understand what I'm saying? So for me, it wasn't like I was trying hard to say the word or speak the word or be right or or say the right thing or anything. It wasn't a social thing with me. It was just what was in there. Amen? And I remember making the decision and the choice when I would know what God said about certain things. I made the decision to not believe what I used to believe and start believing the word of God. And so when you when you can feast on the word and carry the word with you to the point that that's all you say and that's all you believe, then you got a good shot of living a life of faith. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I can remember people saying, well, I know what the Bible say, but what you think? I said, I think what I just told you. You understand what I'm saying? I, you know, like there's two worlds to live in. I've always lived in this one world. Amen. And I'm thankful God brought me the way that he did because I can see now how we got a lot of fakers running around here in the kingdom. We got a lot of people that say they believe God's word and they get home. They don't do the word. They don't speak the word. They don't rely on the word and they don't rely on God. And so when you when you think about it, if the word is all you have, you're in a good place. Because that was all I had. I had tried to, to get healed off therapy and pills. And I was still sick. Because I had to adopt the word in order to drive all of the devil's power out of my mind. Amen. You've got to believe the word. You're going to have to believe it for something. For me, it was emotional and mental problems. For other people, it's going to be something else. But there will come a point when only the word is going to work for you. Only the word is going to do. And hopefully you'll get sold on the word and you'll drop everything else that you believe that's contrary to the word. See, there's a place where God will put you in a place where you're forced to make the correct decision. Then there's a place where you voluntarily adopt the correct decision. Amen. And so that's God wants us to voluntarily adopt the correct decision and the right uh, attitude about things and the right, and have the right response uh, uh, to life according to his word. So it says here we have the same spirit of faith, amen, that, that speaks what it believes. You ever get around people and, and you know, you're so uh, impressed by them or nervous around them or you know sometimes you get in new situations or situations you never thought you'd find yourself in and we'll sometimes fumble for the right thing to say because you want to be right and so when you when you when you start living for God you're going to have to kill that thing that wants to be socially acceptable 
that wants to uh, give in to what the group thinks, you're going to have to kill that and adopt God's word no matter who believes it, who challenges it, who don't believe it, who can't go along with it for whatever reason. You're going to have to make that choice and that decision if you're going to live by faith and have faith be successful for you. Uh, We used to be able to live in a world where when we got in trouble, God always bailed us out on the little bit of scripture that we knew. But now the devil is so tricky and deceptive in the way that he masquerades himself and intimidates people without them even being aware of it, that we're going to have to stand pat on the word. I don't care what it is and in, in, in what, uh, what the word says. You're going to have to learn how to grab that and embrace it. And not make excuses for not being faithful to God's word, not choosing the word first. If the Bible says that that if you eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. Why are people so funny about food nowadays? Huh? Well, because it's true. See, it's either true all the time. See, you can't take a scripture like that and grab it once you get sick as a dog in the hospital and they don't know what's wrong with you. It's best to live that continually all the time and not let, because you will need it one day. If it's in the Bible, you're going to need it one day. See, we think we live in such a way we can grab the things we think we're going to need. You have no clue what you might need. You have no clue who you are. You have no clue where God might put you one day. You have no clue where you're going to land one day. So you're going to have to grab the word and not discriminate. Like you don't need that or you just need this or, you know, it's like this is, this is why we're, we're in a place now in this country where we have very few praying Christians. Because we put off prayer. See, we thought the, the word teaching was just for material things. But the word teaching is for spiritual things. Anything God gives us, us to us, is for spiritual purpose first and foremost. If it brings in material things that you need, that's all well and good. But the first, the first, first purpose of the word is to get the kingdom in on top of Satan's darkness and in opposition to Satan's darkness and so once you understand that you are spirit you live in a body you're not body and the spirit is on the side to serve you to get more things for the body and see we've been allowed to let preachers sell that to us we've been allowed to live like that like everything that you ever want is right here in the visible realm. Now we got to live invisible and nobody knows quite how to do that. See what I'm saying? And so God is looking. Whoever thought churches would be shuttered and they shut your lights and gas off if you try to open up. And they got bars open. They got everything else open. They got many things open, but all of a sudden churches can't be open. And pastors bow to it. I'm going to say it again. Pastors bow to it. You got one or two people who are willing to stand up against Caesar. 
because they're all being they're afraid of being thrown to the lions. And you know why? Because we've conditioned ourselves to think that the kingdom means material things only. So we don't even relate what's happening to our churches on any kind of like it's a threat of any kind. You see people that are under these crazy governors going along with it. Well, you know, you got to wear a mask and you got to do this and got to do that. I've been walking around y'all for what now, six months or so now. Nobody's got it and it ain't, they ain't getting it as long as you stand on the words and see now we're being forced to show what we believe in front of everybody. Some of your great teachers don't believe the word of God. They believe enough to get up there and sell you some books and some tapes and ask for an offering so they can stay on TV. Huh? But they're not going to tell you how to live when Caesar makes laws against you. And see, most of them don't even think that's persecution. Christians are persecuted worldwide. We're under persecution. Now, we have been. It's been a soft tyranny up until now, but it's blatant and overt right now. See what I'm saying? But you take the average pastor, won't tell you that's what's going on. And that's not to pat myself on the back. That's just basic discernment. You know, that's what you get from being a faithful person in the word and being faithful in prayer. And knowing how to smell the devil when you smell him. Now we got satanic written all over whatever's happening in the world today. It can be purposeful. It it can be not per. It doesn't matter. It's the devil. What do we care if somebody's doing it on purpose or not? It's the devil. You got somebody choking you and you, oh, he's not doing that on purpose. Well, you still losing life. Don't let your faith get bottled up in a bunch of nonsense. You got me? Let your faith stay free so that your faith can be used by God to do a job for him. Your faith is not just for your wants and your needs. Your faith is needed by, that's why he, faith is a kingdom spirit. And it belongs to God to do his work in the earth. When we get to heaven, we won't need faith. Everything's going to cease. Amen. Except love, the Bible says. And so we need it down here so that we can do kingdom work for God. So we said faith is a spirit. It is a part of the spirit of God. So whenever you have the Holy Spirit, you have the measure of faith to use for kingdom purposes. Now, you benefit yourself from it. But it's not just for your needs personally. Because most of us can talk a good game about wanting more, but we we uh, manage to live with less. Amen? We kind of live at the level of our expectation, and we talk a big game like we want this, and we, oh, God's going to do this, and God's going to do that. And then we wind up living on a level that even God doesn't approve of. The best thing to do, 
is submit yourself to God first. Find out what your faith is to be used for. Keep your faith. I like what Brother Hagen used to say, keep the switch of faith turned on. And I used to think about, you know, and, and sometimes I am puzzled by certain things that people will say. But I started to, to understand it better as I allowed the Lord to help me to keep my faith. I used to say, well, God, just help me to keep my faith sharp. I don't want it to lie dormant and then need you to do something big for me and I can't get it done for some reason. Amen. And so I remember the Lord showing me little things to do. And he would say, now, instead of you taking your money and doing that, he said, why don't you thank me for it? Begin to thank me for it and begin to ask me for it and use your faith to get that into your life. See, if you got something that you want in a material realm, if you got enough money to get, you just go get it. But I had to learn how to, instead of looking at money as being so powerful, see, whenever you put mammon secondary to faith, you've already messed up. Whenever you just run out and buy something because you can afford it, you've already messed up. You have to keep your faith in operation. And so he taught me how to keep my faith engaged Using it for letting it guide me to where I should go. Guide things into my life that were proper. Guide people to me. Guide experiences to me. Open doors that needed to be opened. All those things. He allowed me to start using my faith to build a life in him so that I wouldn't miss the best thing. I wouldn't miss what he... And I kept the switch of faith turned on. I finally understood what Brother Hagin was talking about when he said, keep the switch of faith turned on. In other words, always be believing for something. Always be expecting something. Always have a word out there that you're expecting God to manifest on. Always. Even in small things. Because, see, we'll want to wait until a big emergency and start praying and then when we get there, we keep hitting a brick wall because we haven't used our faith. It's It's got dust on it. Your faith is like the trophy that sits in the uh, dining room cabinet. You ever see dust get on the inside of a cabinet? I have. <laughs> I must confess, I don't wash them too often on the inside. You know, I'm doing good to dust outside. And you go in there after 15 years or so and look at that bad boy and everything's black almost. You know what I'm saying? And so that's the way sometimes our faith is. It's like that nice dish in a china cabinet that you only take out in emergency special occasions. Instead of keeping it out where God can see it, keep the switch of faith turned on. Keep believing God for things, even things that you could go get yourself. Come on, y'all. Let's Let's be real here. And it's not about, oh, God can get it cheaper and saving a bunch of money. That will happen, too. There may be times you will get things for, for nothing, you know. Nothing, uh, no, I've had no house note, not, no car note for over 20 years now. And I love living like that. Huh? And I can do more for y'all. I can do more for God. Because that's where my heart is. You understand what I'm saying? And I, I'd rather, and I don't like 
you know, a bunch of, of nonsense going on in my life. I like to keep it simple, you know. So I don't look at, at furniture and wish I had new. I don't look at my clothes and wish I had new. Amen. See, I don't live in a mentality of lack. And it's not like I'm, I got a whole uh, big budget for a wardrobe somewhere. I don't have one. I just let myself be led by God. Amen. I recently, he told me, he said, uh, you want to get you some new skirts? And I got them. They're too little. I said, well, I just bought somebody else some skirts. Who was that clapping, Nikki? They ain't your size either. <laughs> Probably is. You know what I'm saying? But but <laughs> but you know he knows how to get me to move. You know, all women want want a man to tell them to go get them something to wear. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My natural husband seldom did. I had to go two out of three with him yes I arm wrestled my husband for money huh whatever it took you know what I'm saying so but uh, <laughs> I'm messing with y'all but I would do it if I could have won real good I'd have done it almost won a couple times but you know how that goes so but uh, you don't want to make them scared you know what I'm saying huh <laughs> So anyway, but uh, like he would say sometimes, girl, but get that you stronger than I am. I said, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> when he met me, I would do chin-ups on the molding in our dining room, between the dining room and living room. Yeah, I would do chin-ups on that. He looked and put his eyes down, looked to give us eyes. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's years ago, right? If I chance up today, I'd I'd be a big splatter mark on the floor. So, but anyway, but but your faith must be exercised. It's it's so important to keep the switch of faith turned on at all times. Always keep your faith engaged in producing something, if not for you, for others. Like, I'll pray with people. I'll see them on Facebook. And after a while, everybody asking for prayer, and there's way too many people asking. But I'll just just thank God for healing them. Thank God just just a word to add to their faith. You understand what I'm saying? Because I like participating in miracles. And so that's why you give yourself over to a life in God, so that you can have a part of somebody's miracle that God is bringing into their life. And it's not a burden for me. It takes five seconds to speak the word over somebody's situation or declare the word of God towards somebody to bless them. And so uh, in, in, it's good to live that way because your faith stays engaged so that in the day that you need it, it's strong, it's resilient, it's able to meet some expectation it's able to knock down some some wall for a breakthrough for somebody it's able to get somebody beyond that brick wall that keeps confronting them every time they want to step out and and receive something from god so it's good to keep your faith engaged at all times so faith really 
It's a key that unlocks every door of blessing that we desire. So faith is your key. It unlocks every door of blessing that we desire. It will find a door to open. Your faith is seeking a door to open. That's why we get what we call burdens to pray or we get unctions to pray for people uh, and, and that kind of stuff because your faith is seeking a door to open. It's going to do that on its own. You don't, you don't have to know anybody. You don't have to know what's uh, going on. You don't have to know people. Your faith is seeking a a way to express itself and do its work in the earth. It's that's why the Bible says the gospel is not bound. And not anything that the gospel produces is bound. It's free because God lives in His people now. And his faith, his spirit of faith is seeking a way to express itself. It's seeking a way to manifest the glory of God and manifest the goodness of God down here in the earth. And so when you understand that, your faith is is causing a moving, a stirring, and a motivation on the inside of you. It's always at work doing that. It's always at work causing you. You know how sometimes you'll think about people and you say, well, God, well, why do they keep coming to my mind? Or that ain't my business. You know, we quick to want to tell God what's our business. What's, well, you don't have no business and they don't have none either. Because the spirit of faith is on the loose looking for somebody to bless. That's how you got saved. You were somebody's business. And God decided to favor you with conviction of your sin and wouldn't let you alone. The spirit of faith did that. Conviction is part, holiness is part of the spirit of faith or the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so when faith starts to, to look for a place to manifest, you can expect that God will get some of his people involved, will get some of his people, will wake them up and alert them. To what it is that's going on that needs to be dealt with, that needs to be uh, uh, prayed for. When, when we started our prayer manual, I started with a bunch of little, remember them yellow cards? No, everybody, they either loved and hated them yellow cards when they came out because they knew we would have to pray. And, and the end result is now it's probably we have about, what, 80 prayers now in the prayer? It's about 65 of the ones in categories, but about 80 prayers. Well, people might say, well, what do you know about that? Or what do you know about uh, uh, crimes against the children, abortion? You know, that's the big people trigger get triggered when you talk about abortion. Because most Christians know it's wrong, but they, they uphold it and don't do anything. They're not anti it. They don't fight against it. They just sit passively and let it happen. Well, I can't sit passively and let it happen. You understand what I'm saying? Because I know what his blood paid for to pay for them babies to live. And so when you think about things like that, you understand that it's your business. And the spirit of faith in you makes you know it's your business. Because he'll keep pushing, hey, girl, come on, let's pray. Get, Get on up. Come on now. Let's go. But that ain't my business. Yes, it is, because it's my business, is what the Holy Spirit says. And what's my business is yours. Amen? 
And so he will get us, your, the spirit of faith will get us involved in things. And maybe we think sometimes they're immovable. Or there's no progress. Or there's uh, uh, um, no action for a long time. <clears throat> I was thinking about this because I would get angry about this abortion thing. I would say, Lord, I said, there's people out there. Uh, witnessing the people, women that are getting abortions, they still get them. And, and I would ask him, I said, what is the holdup? Now you gotta give me something, you know, until you get something more specific, you, you stay on your watch. Pray the same words over and over and over again. Until that little girl with the, what's that movie? Unplanned. And she gave her testimony. And I find out it's Christians working in abortion clinics. I said, well, this is the holdup. I said, your people are divided. And he said, yeah, but they better get it together. He said, because I'm done with this half over here and half over there. He said, when I expose people like that, he said, I'm serving notice on all my people to get out of this game. Get your heart over here and stop funding it. Start Stop encouraging it. And he's going to start sending some people that never did it before out on them lines to stand in front of them abortion clinics. We let the Catholics take all the heat. And then we want to make like they don't know God. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, come on now. How much of God do you have to know to know he's not for murder? That's kind of basic. And we tongue talking and acting all fancy and going all the way around the world and we still haven't solved the problems we have here. You know, you need to be straight where you are. Not crooked, not passive and not just ignoring things. It's, you know, you can't, uh, blood guiltiness is the worst kind of guilt to have from what I understand from people who have murdered people. Their testimonies. Blood guilt is hard, even after they're saved. That uh, Carla Faye Tucker, that girl that was lived in uh, Texas, she received the death penalty. And she would tell people, she said, you know what? She said, I found Jesus. They say she would stay, she would worship God for hours in her jail cell. Just sing to him. She had such joy. A bunch of women, uh, with a Bible study, went and visited her in prison. They had a little prison ministry. And they would go and visit all the death row women. And she was one of them. She got saved. And she would tell people, she said, you know what? She said, I don't need to get my sentence commuted. Amen. She said, I don't really need to have that happen. She said, if it gets commuted, fine. I'll live for God down here. She said, but if not, she said, I'm going to heaven to be with Jesus. She said, that's the best thing yet. Amen. She had axe murdered a couple in their bed. She was hyped up on drugs. And this man had said something to her. And they said, you didn't insult her because she would come find you. Amen. And that's, that's the kind of woman she was. She needed to be taken off the streets. You understand what I'm saying? And so, but once God saved her, she was humble enough to say, you know, don't go through a lot of trouble for me. You know, it's a lot of prisoners want to get out. Find somebody that really wants to get out. She said for her, she was fine either way. Amen. So she wound up getting a death penalty, but she's with the Lord. Amen. 
And so she, she, but she was able to use what God had for her right where she was in jail, right in that place. Amen. So, um, but, but God is good, you know, and, and people, your faith will take you places that you never imagined yourself being. And I'm not talking about the best and the finest all the time. Don't go there with me. I'm talking about places where God really needs you to be. Amen. So there is a place of manifestation that your faith is taking you to. Your faith always leads you to a place where it can manifest the glory of God. For many people, it may be a healing service where God will manifest his glory. For some people, it will be other places. might be your living room. It might be that you gradually receive healing from God. But your faith always keep the switch of faith turned on. How do you do that? You do it by thanking God for what you're believing him for. You do it through worship. You do it through uh, feeding on the word, inclining your ear to the word. That feeds your faith. Whatever feeds your faith is, is what will keep it turned on. So faith is a force that invades the realm of the spirit. It is able to invade darkness and manifest light right in the midst of darkness. Anybody's prayed for a sick person, you've experienced that. If you're saved, you experienced it. That the Holy Spirit came right in on top of your darkness, your stuff you thought you was going to do for the rest of your life. You weren't thinking about no God. Amen. And he just stepped right in and manifested himself right on top of your nonsense. So he's not afraid to perform, but he must have words to perform. He must have a vessel to dwell in, and he must have a willing spirit to cooperate with him. See, we cooperate with him. It's not the reverse. So we must do what he initiates instead of what we want if you want to be healed the holy spirit is the one telling you that that's a possibility for you or that you're already healed however you believe the word and so when you you start understanding that the holy spirit is always drawing us to the thing that god wants to manifest always he never stops pulling you toward god he never stops pulling you toward the manifestation of the promise of God. <clears throat> Amen. So in uh, Matthew 9, we're going to turn there because there's a good story there that I think fits about faith finding a way. I think this is a woman with the issue of blood. Matthew, Matthew <clears throat> chapter 9. And verse 18. He's talking about just laying down some doctrine with the uh, with the crowd that's out there talking about fasting and talking about new wine, old wine, those things like that. <clears throat> he talks about new wine being made to be put into new garments. So these two examples here kind of follow in the line of what new wine is, can do versus the old. This woman with the issue of blood, the old wine was the law, which did not allow her to be out and certainly not to touch a prophet of God. Amen. Same thing with the centurion or the the uh, uh, um, 
not the centurion, the man that's there. He was ruler of the synagogue. He's the guy she pushed out of the way to get her healing. And so he represents old wine as well. So both of these represent the law, the old wine. And just as Jesus is saying the new wine has to be put in the new vessels because the new wine is better, it's going to burst and spill out if you try to keep it in the old vessels. Amen. That's why many times people, uh, when, when you, when you pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they kind of get this pushing. They always, they'll say, can you feel that? It's like a, a pressure in your middle, in your stomach, like it's, and that's the old skin bursting to let the new wine out. Amen. It's a, it, yeah, and, you, and, and so it's a common thing. I, I learned that from Pastor Shirley because she prays for so many people to receive the Holy Ghost. And so she would, she, she was showing me some of the signs that she perceives, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing when you have a gift, how gifted you are. You know, she can tell by the atmosphere, by how they look, what they go through, all that kind of stuff. And I'm just, I'm just standing there saying, well, hold on. We'll let go. You know, just, <laughs> you know, after I give them about three minutes after that, I'm ready to go home. Go sit in the bathtub. Everybody gets it in there. What do we tell them? The shower or something? Yeah, like that. You're right, right. Yeah, yeah. The washing dishes, whatever. Just go home. But no. But uh, Pastor Shirley, Gigi gets the goods every single time. Praise God. Amen. But because when you when you're gifted, you perceive things in more detail. Amen. In more detail. So the old wine, the old wine skin in us as believers will burst, and let the new wine flow out. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Not the old stuff, but new stuff. Amen. And so it says here in verse 18, while he spoke these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him, saying, my daughter is even now dead, but come and lay a hand on her and she'll live. Now, on one account, this man came up before he got the news that she died. But this is kind of like a synopsis one. So, you know, at some point while he was talking to Jesus, this girl, he got word that this girl was dead. And so, but initially, when he came up and asked Jesus to come and heal her, he asked, let me get that one. Let me see where it is. See, the Mark 5. Because it does... Give, give an understanding of, of his faith. 21. It is long enough it should be in there, honey. Mark 5, 21 to 43. 21, 21. Okay, alright. Let me, let's go here. Mark 5, start in chapter, verse 21 says, when Jesus was passed over again by ship to the other side, much people gathered to him, and he was nigh to the sea. And behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. 
I pray you come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. So this man has faith. See, his faith has told him he's got the same spirit of faith in him that this late that that this lady has or same one speaking to him. Back in the day, these people could not have the Holy Spirit dwell in them, but they could be led by the spirit as much as they could listen to him and obey him. And so his faith is telling him that if Jesus can come and lay hands on her, she'll be made whole. Well, that's the experience he's had, and that's the example he's had. That's what he knows. This woman says, I can't talk to him or let him know that I'm out here because she's been declared ceremonially unclean and so she can't she really has to say unclean every time she goes a necessary place like when she goes to the doctor she's been going to doctors she has to say unclean so that people can remove themselves from her and she can get from she has to warn people that she's unclean and so she knows that if she tells anybody who she is she won't get healed but yet the spirit of faith is telling her this is where your healing is he's telling her you've got to touch his clothes so that you could be made whole but those are holy garments but they they're not touched by anybody amen nobody touches a holy man of god without permission So she has to figure out a way to obey the spirit of faith and receive her healing without running afoul of the law as best she can. But tell me which one is more powerful, the law of faith or the Mosaic law? Absolutely, because faith came before the law. They had to use faith to obey the law. So faith then is superior to the law and will outweigh it every single time. So our our thinking we can get something from God because we do this, we do that, we don't do this, and we don't do that, it's just a lie. Because if you're not doing it by faith, you're not going to get the benefit of it. That's why many people give up on some of these rules and regulations of Christianity. Because they realize they can't obey them under their own power. And they're living just like Old Testament people did. The Old Testament people got sick of the law because they couldn't do it. They got frustrated and they just backslid. People do it now. They just backslid. I just can't do this. I can't get rid of these cigarettes. I can't stop sleeping around. I can't stop doing this. I can't stop doing that. Yes, you can. You're not going to stop anything thinking in your head. But if you get in your Bible, you'll stop everything that ain't right for you. You're just looking for help in the wrong place. So, so, so here's this ruler of the synagogue. He's a religious man. He told him, he says, my daughter's close to death, but if you come, she'll live. Jesus went with him. So he's on his way to lay hands on this little girl and heal her. This this ruler of the synagogue had enough faith on what his request was 
to move Jesus to action. Whenever you move Jesus, you have what it is that you're desiring for him. So it doesn't matter when Jesus gets there. That girl's alive and she's going to stay alive. You got me? But that man doesn't know that. See, there's something you learn about faith every time you exercise it. Huh? See, you won't learn it if you don't exercise it. And so when he he sees this, he starts on his way to go to this man, but something stops him. He feels that power goes out of him by demand of faith. So there's a faith that's activated in his vicinity that is greater than this man's faith is, or more expectant, i put it that way. See, it's good to stay expectant of all things all the time. Because you can be healed at any time. He can raise up your finances at any time. He can bring you that thing you've been looking for at any time. So it's good to just stay expecting all the time. God, I'll never stop expecting you to do good things for me. I'll never stop expecting you to completely heal my body. I'll never stop expecting you to cause all these symptoms to go. I'll never stop expecting you to give me a bigger house, better house, more expensive house, no house note, no car note, whatever it is that you're expecting. Just always stay expecting. And so this woman was expecting to be healed the minute she touched his robe. Whereas the ruler of the synagogue has to have him come to her house. Now Jesus would grade people's faith. Great faith. Little faith. Where is your faith? A weak faith. He would put a grade on it. Why? Well, they didn't call him rabbi for nothing. That's what teachers do. Don't they give you a grade? Well, that's why he graded in faith. He was in teacher mode at all times. And so... People who would believe him just at his word, he wouldn't marvel at them and call them with great faith. Here's a ruler of the synagogue that has to be spoon-fed. <laughs> you got to have Jesus physically there walking with him. Where the centurion said, don't even come under my roof. I'm not worthy for you to be. Just speak the word. And I know my servant will get up off that bed. I need nothing but your word. Whenever you can take God at his word and not have to see something or get a, a confirmation or get a witness. or It's good to get the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong. But many people want to see before they believe. They want to see something disappear real quick. Because they're scared they can't hold on to their faith long enough for it to manifest at a later time. we got all kind of crazy ways of thinking we're in faith when we're not. huh? And so here this woman comes up to him. And, and he says, when Jesus, verse 24, Jesus went with him. Much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman would had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians 
spent all that she had was nothing better but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus. So here's the ruler of the synagogue heard of him, and so did she. But she heard different than the ruler of the synagogue. Don't condemn anybody for how they hear the Holy Spirit tell them they're going to get their healing. Because you have no clue where they're coming from. Sometimes God works with the knowledge you have and the experience you have, but faith will find a way to get the job done. I don't care what your experience, your background is. You you know, it's, well, I've been prayed for by the best of them. Well, go sit down now because I don't call myself the best of nothing. You know, if you'd have had the best already, now well, what can I do for you? Huh? Add to your list. She, when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, one trend, one account says she said within herself. Why? Because she dare not tell anybody. Who she gonna tell? She can go touch a holy man. She said within herself, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. That is a faith statement. The spirit of faith told her that inside of her as a promise as an end and instruction. See, the spirit of faith will always direct you to the place where your promise will be manifested. It will lead you there. Faith always gives you some action to perform in order to bring life to your faith. So there's something everybody has to do in order to get their faith to manifest what they're asking for. If it's confession, then just confess. If it's sometimes it's, it's like when I was, was, uh, expecting my car, I thought, well, I better get this area really cleared out. You know, things like that. So, you know, just to, so your faith doesn't just sit over in the corner and whine somewhere. You know, you whine about you don't feel like it's going to happen or it's not happening soon enough or anything like that. Um, and, and so when you, when you understand how to cooperate with the spirit of faith that's in you, you will do certain things. Like when I had, God told me to make those little cards out that, that we've had. He said, let people go back to the foundation of putting the word in front of their eyes all the time so they can look at it continually so that their faith will be fed on a continual basis. These are things that you do uh, that the spirit of faith will tell you, uh, keep me strong because God's going to need you to be expecting certain things. Keep me strong so that you can be of, of service to the Lord. Keep me strong so that when the enemy tries to attack your finances or attack this and that, then you'll have the answers right close. See what I'm saying? You won't go getting all spastic and nervous. And so, uh, so here it is. She, she's like, <clears throat> she came, she said, if I will be made whole. Now she said, I'm going to go heal the minute I touch him. The, the ruler of the synagogue said, I got to get him to where my daughter is. See, sometimes we think, we have funny ideas about time. 
Time can, can be your friend all the time if it takes a long time or if it takes a little time. You can just make time your friend, period. Just decide you're not going to get wound up about it. Amen? Now, time, because he told Jesus to come with him, he has to believe that this girl is going to stay alive until he gets there. So that's pressure. This lady's been under pressure 12 years. She said, no, I'm going to get it the minute I see him because I'm not going to get another chance. I'm going to have to sneak up and get it before somebody finds out I'm there, you know, in case he is a, a law guy. And, and she's right there, and the ruler of the synagogue is right beside her. So here's the law confronting her that she can't have her healing. Huh? She's aware that she's breaking the law just being out touching people, being close to people, like this COVID nonsense. People in the streets rioting can be out there without a mask, but we we got to have them. See what I'm saying? Somehow that virus knows the difference, I guess. So you have to be careful putting yourself under the law. Because fear is what drives people under the law anyway. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and, and there's a good part of it, too. You want to be a law-abiding person. You don't want to be a person that's out there scared to get caught or something like that. But whenever the law is present, those who are breaking the law will be made obvious. And so here this lady is, She's she can either look at this ruler of the synagogue and run back home for fear of being exposed, or she can go ahead and touch Jesus like she said she was going to do. Just press in. Even if the law is there to condemn you, your faith is telling you to go for it. There's a lot of old, old rules and regulations that we still obey in our minds that are condemning us and saying we can't get our healing. Look at what you did. You mean you could just expect and you ain't been in the word but 10 minutes? You know you can't get nothing that quick. Huh? So we languish waiting on many things that we could just go up and take. Because faith takes what belongs to you. It takes back what the devil's stolen from you. Didn't Jesus say when he, when that woman that was, that was bent over came into the temple, he said, she ought to be healed. He said, ought not this daughter of Abraham? She had a covenant that says she's supposed to be healed. Now that's what he said. She's supposed to be healed. We owe her a healing. Cause she has a covenant with God. And we're the agents to minister that health to her. So she ought to be healed. And so this woman is there and she said, if I can but touch him, I'll be whole. Now she knew that from the spirit of faith. She was determined. She got that far. She'd go all the way. And straight away the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. When you're healed, you know it. You're not wondering and guessing anymore and looking to see if you're healed. When you're healed, you know it. 
And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples had no idea she did it, so she could have gotten away with it. But the spirit of faith is also the spirit of holiness. It's a spirit of repentance. Huh? Oh, yeah. The Holy Spirit has all that in him. So she couldn't lie to a prophet of God if she wanted to. Not after she'd received the Holy Spirit, that's received from his spirit like that. And he looked around about to see her that that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that she had been healed, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. In other words, the law was keeping you sick. But your faith has made you whole. Huh? The law was keeping you sick. Because it said you can't have this. You can't be out. You can't do this. You can't do that. So here you see, this is what kept Jesus in trouble with the synagogue people. Because he was constantly breaking their man-made laws and their man-made interpretations of the rules. And he was allowing people mercy instead of judgment, which is what the law is for. The law is to judge the lawbreakers. But when you're using faith, you're not a lawbreaker. You're appealing to a higher law. So the law of faith really is a higher law than the law of Moses. God said that law, that the commandments were given as a schoolmaster to keep us close to him so that we could learn right from wrong. After you learn right from wrong and you repent of your sins, that law and the penalty is done away with. He writes a new law on your heart. So the old is done away. It did its job. Taste not, touch not, handle not, did its job. Now you have the law written on your hearts so that you can obey him from the Spirit and live in a higher realm of blessing, live in a higher realm of of receiving and productivity, live in a higher realm of, of goodness and mercy and service to God. You can do a whole lot more than the Old Testament prophet and priest could because of where we live now in God. Because the penalty of the broken law is done away with. You break the law of love in your heart now, you repent and come right back to God, and you right back in the game again. You don't have to go out and take one of your kids and kill them or the pet and or goldfish. And you understand you don't have to take no offering nowhere except your body and living sacrifice. Offer up your pride, and you're wanting to be right all the time, and I don't do nothing wrong. It can't be my fault. You know that stuff. Let that go. Huh? you know the desire to be perfect left at the cross folks you know we just want to be obedient (laughs) perfection is not even in the conversation (laughs) trying to hear correctly and obey what you hear and you know let god do what he needs to do through you, all that kind of stuff. You don't have time to figure out if you did wrong, right, how many times, and if you 
I got. I can't be can't be messing up. You know, I'm a Christian. I keep living. The devil has got mess up plan for all of us. We'll find it out sooner or later. Uh, but when you sin, you have an advocate. You don't have anybody against you. You've got somebody who's for you. Amen. So you go to the one who is for you. Quit trying to fix it up to make it look right. Huh? So, so, where was I at? We're number six, are we? Or five? Oh yeah, five and thirty-four. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. You haven't done anything wrong. That's what he's saying. Go in peace. When he said go in peace, that means you haven't done anything wrong. You did the right thing. Whereas the law would tell her she was wrong, grace and mercy tell her that she's okay. Amen. You just wanted to be healed. And while he yet spoke, there came from the ruler of a synagogue's house people said, your daughter's dead. Why are you troubling the master further? Now, if you got people living at your house like that, you need to throw them all out. You know, your house full of bad news bears. What about people who are praying for that little girl? Ain't nobody around them praying. They just watching to see when she's going to die. See, this is when the ruler of the synagogue repents, should repent, because he'd have found out what kind of people he's raising up in that synagogue. Bunch of death watchers looking for your faults, looking for a reason to accuse you of not being saved, not being a good Christian, not being them the bad news bears. Huh? All they do is watch. Instead of interceding that that girl would stay alive until Jesus got there, they all sat up. She she did yet. Oh, she's still breathing. She did yet. You know, religious people, if you have somebody sick or somebody dies in their family, they want to tell you because you in sin. You ain't doing They want to disqualify you for being somebody that God would use because you got problems. Or you have things that didn't turn out. You didn't get that prayer answered the way you, huh? We have to be careful how we judge people. Sickness and death can attack anybody. And and be careful that you go you dig in with them to get death and sickness off of them instead of waiting to see if somebody's gonna make it or not. They couldn't wait to go and in you know uh intercept him. Don't trouble the master anymore. See, people, synagogue people, religious people, don't like mercy. And they don't like mercy carriers. And they don't like anointed people. So Jesus is anointed. They don't even want him around. Huh? We got a reputation to uphold around here. We don't want him. He's not one of us. And thank God he's not. 
Amen. We got enough religious people, period, man. They just everywhere. But we don't have enough people who walk with God that walk in his mercy and his compassion enough to want to go to a sick bed and raise somebody up. So by the time he gets there, or almost there, and Jesus could see this man's faith slipping away. He does that with us. What does he do when he sees our faith slipping away? The same thing he did with this man. Where am I at? Oh, yeah, 35. While he yet spoke, there came from, from, from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain people which said, Your daughter is dead. Why are you troubling the master any further? How would you like to have them for friends? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler, don't be afraid, only believe. So what Jesus is doing, as soon as that man asked for prayer for his daughter, Jesus made up his mind that girl was going to live. So Jesus never changes his mind about what he's going to do for you, period. But you can, your faith can slip away from you from bad influences. That's why it's good to keep the roughest faith people around you you can when you need something. You know, the ones that know what Jesus said to him was suck it up, brother. Now don't let, don't let what they told you act like they ain't even here. Act like they ain't been at your house. Act like they haven't said anything to you. And that's the fight we all have to receive from God. Until our faith gets to the place where it manifests what we are believing for, we got to suck it up and hold on and forget what any negative people are saying to us, the negative thoughts in our minds, what we look at people and what we think we see when we look at them. We have to forget all of that stuff. you got to forget everything except what Jesus has said about the situation. You gotta keep that switch of faith turned on at all times. And Jesus is merciful. When he saw that man's face slipping, he said, don't you get scared. Now don't take that fear on. How would you like to have people you work with every day call themselves Christians? You depended upon them to stand with you in times of trouble. And the first thing they want to do is bring you bad news. They could have saved that. Why were they so anxious to get to him with bad news? What kind of friends are those? With friends like that, you don't need enemies. And that's the way the devil's people are. They can't wait to get to you and tell you something's wrong with somebody. They can't wait to get to you. And like I used to, uh, people used to say, older people would say, bad news travels fast. You know, if somebody was taken, you know, in our neighborhood, they were taken to the hospital, and you know, in an ambulance or something, and they would be waiting to hear the phone call. They said, mm, it's been too long. Bad news travels fast. And they were usually right. That person was generally okay. You got me? Because the devil's people can't wait. That's why God says there are seven things I hate. <laughs> 
one of his feet that runs swiftly to do mischief or to do the devil's work. And they knew that man was believing, hoping against hope. But see, when when you got a bunch of religious friends and you break away from them, they will kill themselves trying to get you back. They look at me like I don't know. Anybody ever, God told you to leave a church because they wasn't spirit-filled and you weren't going to le- learn anything more there? And then they all of a sudden want to make you a deacon or want to make you a... Put you in the pulpit all of a sudden. Tell you how gifted and wonderful. And and before that, they treated you like you had poop on your heels. Every time you showed up, they couldn't stand seeing you. Didn't want you around. When you make up your mind, you want to go someplace else, all of a sudden, now you're very valuable to them. That's the way religion will do you. Every single time. So, yeah, the bad news bears couldn't wait to go and tell him the girl was dead and then told him, don't don't have Jesus come to your house. Now, why'd they do that? The devil knows people who have the power to raise the dead. Sometimes they know it better than we know ourselves. The devil, the devil sit up and take notes. You know, they remember things, familiar spirits get attached to people or, or follow you around to a degree. You understand what I'm saying? They'll say things like, she used to be a rookie, but she getting close now. In other words, I felt that the last time she spoke. Huh? The Bible says demons tremble at the power of God. Amen? They fear God, and they know him. They sometimes know what you can do better than you know. (laughs) You might be sitting around thinking, I don't really know a whole lot, but God told me to go pray for someone, so I'm going to go anyway. Huh? Holy Spirit has all power. He's not limited in anything. The minute Jesus heard them tell him that lie, he told the ruler, don't be afraid, only believe. And then Jesus made everybody else go. Amen. The Holy Spirit will tell you, you know, a lot of things, he don't work real well in a crowd. You know, I, I, I see people sometimes, and I think sometimes they're well-meaning. They want to document things and all of that. But sometimes, if you're going to work for God, just turn the camera off. You know, what I'm tell, turn the videotape, because it may not be something that will make you look important. Now, if you go tape some, let God show you. Let him, let him do that. You know what I'm saying? But I see people out on the streets wanting to see miracles, and they've always got somebody else with a camera with them. You know, it, it's kind of okay in a church because we're used to it. You know what I'm saying? 
but out on the streets, then people are embarrassed. You know, you, unless you really got that anointing that can command an atmosphere and God says do it that way, you know, just leave a camera at home. Cause you know, I don't like to be critical of people, but you know, I'm always looking for people who have, who have something. You know, that they have an edge on the supernatural so I can learn from them. But then when you see people with a camera and they're just getting aches and pains, and you think, come on God, they took a camera for that? You know, I mean, not that it's not a healing for people who aren't well, but <laughs> seriously, Jesus called that minor ailments. I mean, if he hadn't said it, I wouldn't criticize it. But but he marveled at people's unbelief. And it says he laid his hands on a few sickly folks and people with minor ailments. That's what a headache is, is minor ailment. It it's it's amazing that sometimes God can get as much work done as he can. Vessels have to be prepared to pour out. You gotta have something poured in so you can pour out. You can't have your little teaspoon and want to go run tell everybody about it. You you understand what I'm saying? It it just then it makes God look like he's kind of short on power because you got a lot of people out here say well dang i do that with myself and my kids every day you know and he's having a school and charging a thousand dollars a person to come and learn from him i think i'll keep my money in my pocket and keep reading my bible you understand what i'm saying i mean uh, seriously i'm not trying to tear down i don't mention names you know i'm not trying to tear nobody down but y'all be careful about some of these names people are always talking about how wonderful they are, and they're plastering themselves all over everything. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, because what to to man is a big splash is to God just a ripple in the stream. You know what I'm saying? Because he has so much more for us. You know, it, it, in, in, you know, there are people, they're drug addicts. You could go and, and you can work some of these these halfway houses and shelters Man, you could work them all day long if you're really powerful. Let's get where the trouble is and and do what we do, you know. Don't keep going to Walmart. Yeah. It's people in Walmart's got more power than, than you would believe. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm gonna stop. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us to know you in such a great way. Father, we thank you for what you are sowing into our hearts by faith. We receive what you have for us, Lord. We receive your word. We receive your power. We said that your word, there is no word of God that is void of power. Even your commas, your periods, and your crossing your T's and your dot your I's have power in them. And we thank you for that, Lord, and we bless you and we praise you. We honor your word above above all things. You said you honor your word above your name. And so, Lord, we thank you and we bless you and we praise you that we are the healed of the Lord. 
We are not subject to disease because we have a covenant with you, a covenant in blood that swears none of the diseases that you put on the Egyptians are for uh, your people, even new diseases that aren't thought of, Father. We are not subject to those, and we thank you for that. And we bless you and we praise you. We thank you, Lord, even for your mercy in this pandemic that you already had a a treatment prepared for people, Lord. And it's an effective treatment, and we thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us our confession that we don't have Rona and she don't have us, that we can't get Rona, she can't get us. So we'll confess that I can't have Rona and she can't have me. And I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. In Jesus' name, it is so decreed, amen and amen and amen, so be it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.